Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode two of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. We had a lot to get through in that first episode, six games to be exact. No games to talk about today, but there's still plenty to discuss. Like I said, as we were wrapping up the first episode there, I want to talk a little bit about the trade of Vladislav Nemestikov to the Ottawa Senators. Also want to get into some early positive signs that I'm seeing for this from this team, as well as some potential red flags. We're going to get into all of that today. This is the second episode of Locked On New York Rangers. So we'll start here with an early season trade. The Rangers sending Vladislav Nemestikov to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for Nick Ebert and a fourth-round draft pick in 2021. You know, it, it happened about two weeks ago at this point, but I think it's an important enough early season transaction that it bears discussion here. And of course, you know, this podcast wasn't around two weeks ago. So just want to talk about this real quick. Not going to spend a ton of time on it, but, you know, it, it, it's significant enough trade that, you know, it's worth talking about here. So the thing with Nemesikov, you know, he has some talent, but it's never really shown up in his stat line. The one exception to that rule would be 2017-2018 when he was with Tampa Bay. Well, he's, he started the season with Tampa Bay, and then, of course, he comes over to New York in the trade. Skates 62 games with the Lightning and 19 with the Rangers. Racked up a total of 22 goals and 26 assists, but 20 of those goals and 24 of those assists came with Tampa Bay. Just two goals and two assists in 19 games with the Rangers. And I think this is also a good time to point out that during that season, Nemesikov had been skating alongside Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov on Tampa Bay's top line. So more than fair to suggest that his numbers might have been a little bit skewed because of that. Those guys are two of the absolute best players in hockey, and pretty much anybody who plays with them, they're going to see their stats increase quite a bit. And as I said, you know, that is by far the best the best season that Nemesikov has had so far in his career. His next best season was 2015-2016 when he had 14 goals and 21 assists, also with Tampa Bay. And just for a little refresher and a little bit of context here, the Rangers traded for Nemesikov on February 26, 2018, which was the day of the NHL trade deadline. Rangers sending Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to Tampa Bay in exchange for Nemesikov, Brett Howden, and Liber Hayek. I remember thinking at the time that the Rangers didn't get enough in return. You know, McDonough and Miller, I'm not going to sit here and put them in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're not at that level, but they were both rock-solid players for the Rangers, big-time contributors for some deep postseason runs. And I just didn't think that that was quite enough of a return package for those guys. I know that, you know... If you want to be, if you want to look at the positive side, Brett Howden, Liber Hayek, still on the Rangers, still with some upside, still both 21 years old, both in somewhat prominent roles for the Blue Shirts. And Howden, you know, the, the potential is there, former first round draft pick. But at the time, I just, I didn't like the trade. I just didn't think there was enough of a return package there for for two guys who who had really had some great seasons with the Rangers in McDonough and Miller. But yeah, you know, I mean, Nemesikov was supposed to be the big catch of that trade for the Rangers. And let's call it like it is, he underperformed. I mean, the Rangers moved him around the lineup. They tried to get him going. They tried a, different, a couple different things to get him going. You know, gave him some run as a top six forward, but it just seemed like no matter who they put him with, no matter what line he was on, it just never really clicked. And I'm even willing to give him a pass for the 2017-2018 season. You know, that was the obviously the year that the Rangers traded for him. He comes to a new team. He only has about 19 games. It's a small sample size. I'm sure he had to kind of get acclimated with, you know, his new surroundings, his new teammates, his new coaches, all that good stuff. So we'll give him a little bit of a pass for, for underwhelming in those first 19 games there. But, but then you look at last year, and, 
he plays in 78 games with the Rangers and just 11 goals and 20 assists. But just even beyond, I mean, that's not a great stat line to begin with, but even beyond that, there were just too many games where you, you barely even knew he was on the ice. He was kind of invisible out there, just not really making things happen, not giving you the kind of production that you expect from a guy who was drafted 27th overall by the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, first round draft pick, just, just not not putting up the kind of points you would expect from somebody with that kind of a draft pedigree. And given his draft status, I, I think it's also fair to call him, at least thus far, a career underachiever. I don't think that's going too far. Again, he's just never had the kind of production that you expect from somebody who you take in the first round of a draft. Now, obviously, the Rangers didn't take him. The Lightning took him. But nevertheless, first-round draft pick, just not not reaching that, that top-tier level that, that you would like to see from somebody who, who was taken so soon in uh, in the draft. Now, to be fair, I do have to mention that Vladislav has gotten off to a great start with the Senators. He does have six points. That's four goals and two assists through his first six games in Ottawa. He seems to be, believe it or not, I have not watched every single Ottawa Senators game since that trade has happened. I know, I know. I I, I got I to gotta use my time better and watch more Ottawa Senators games. But I get the feeling that this fast start of his is something of a mirage. He is just 26 years old, and it is still possible that he eventually kind of materializes into, you know, a productive player in this league. But I'm not going to, you know, jump on the Rangers and say that they made a, a terrible trade just because he's off to a fast start through six games. It's an incredibly small sample size. And to this point in his career, Nemesikov has done really nothing that would make you think that, you know, this guy is going to be a, a premier scorer in this league. So I don't fault the Rangers for making this move. And I get the feeling that. In due time here, Nemesikov is probably going to come back to earth a little bit and kind of level off and kind of just be, you know, a decent player, but not somebody that, that strikes fear into the hearts of opponents around the league. That's kind of where he's been for the last few years, and I think that's where he's probably destined to stay uh, going forward here. So that's what the Rangers gave away, but who did we get here? Who is Nick Ebert? Well, let's start with the basics. Uh, 25 years old. Six feet, 205-pound defenseman, a seventh-round pick by the Los Angeles Kings in 2012, taken 211th overall. The Rangers have assigned him to the Hartford Wolfpack. Ebert still has yet to appear in an, in an NHL game in his career. He's bounced around the minors a little bit, time with the Kings, the Stars, and the Senators. He spent some time in the Continental Hockey League. He spent some time in the Swedish Hockey League. Seems to be a little bit of an offensive-minded defenseman in 2018-2019. He scored 11 goals and 22 assists, and he's reached the 30-point plateau four times in the OHL and once in the SHL. It's hard to know exactly what you've got here until you see him, you know, you know, play at the NHL level, which, which could be coming somewhere down the line here. But I think the Rangers see him as a little bit of a pet project. But it seems to be a move worth making. I mean, as we were just talking about, things just were not working out with Vladislav Nemesikov, and the Rangers are on this mission to continue to stockpile young players with some upside and, and acquire draft picks. And obviously, they in in this Nemesikov deal, they also get a fourth-round pick for 2021 back. Just a ton of draft picks the next two years. They now have 18 picks over the 2020 and 2021 NHL entry draft. And we probably don't see Ebert this season unless, you know, something happens to one of the top six defensemen. Somebody gets injured. 
it's possible Ebert could get the call, especially if they're looking to kind of kind of spark the offense a little bit, kind of get a little bit more offensive production out of the defenseman. You know, he could be the guy. He's 25 years old. You know, it feels like it, it's time for him to at least get a look in the NHL. And certainly the, the Rangers didn't trade for him with the expectation that he's just going to spend, you know, the rest of his life in the minor leagues. So probably at some point this season, we'll, we'll see him at least worked into the lineup a couple of times for the Rangers. And if if... Obviously, you don't want anybody to get injured, but injuries do happen. If something happens to one of the Rangers' top six defensemen, you know he might get a little bit longer run there. All right, as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the early positive encouraging signs that we're seeing from the New York Rangers so far this season, as well as some possible concerns, some potential red flags. Just going to jump right into that right now. And really, I don't think you could start anywhere. We'll start with the positive. I don't think you can start anywhere else other than Mika Zibanejad. This guy is about to become a superstar in this league. Skill level is just off the charts. And I can remember back when the Rangers originally traded for Zibanejad, they gave up Derek Broussard. Now, Broussard was one of my favorite players in Ranger history. I mean, we're talking like top three, maybe even in the consideration for my favorite player ever. So I didn't really like the trade when it happened, but I at least understood it because, you know, Broussard was five years older than Zibanejad. Zibanejad was only 23 years old at the time. He had much more upside than Broussard at that point, even if they were comparable players around that time. So I understood why they did it. It was a tough pill to swallow, but I, I definitely understood why the Rangers made the move. And at this point, I'm certainly happy that they did. You look at what Zibanejad now is in his fourth season with the Rangers, and he just keeps getting better. Uh, you look at his first season, only played 56 games in that season, but 14 goals, 23 assists. The next season, he jumps up 27 goals and 20 assists. And then last year, he just explodes a 74-point season, lighting the lamp 30 times and dishing out 44 assists. He's still only 26 years old, so the sky could be the the limit for him. He's already got 11 points this season, 11 points in just six games. Let that sink in for a second. Four goals and seven assists through the Rangers' first six games this season. This guy is, I'm telling you, he is an absolute megastar in the making. So loving what I'm seeing from him. He's got great chemistry with his line mates. Obviously, he's new. Working with Panarin is new to him. He's been with Pavel Buchnevich for quite some time. And the Rangers have had a little bit of a revolving door on that top line there. You know, early in the season, it was Buchnevich. Chris Kreider was up there on the right wing for a little while. And, and most recently, it's Jesper Foss. But whoever you put with uh, Panarin and Zibanejad, Zibanejad just continues to produce. Doesn't even matter who the third line mate is, it seems like. And, and Zibanejad just off to a, a tremendous start here with the Rangers. Just looking forward to seeing, you know, what he can do alongside Panarin uh, the rest of this season. Secondly, I think you really have to be encouraged by what you're seeing from Artemi Panarin so far this season. He was the crown jewel of the free agent class, and no matter where he went, he was going to be under tremendous pre tremendous pressure to perform with his new team. And that pressure only intensifies when you're playing under the bright lights of New York City. But he looks cool, calm, and collected out there. He's just kind of doing what he does. Every time he shoots the puck, you feel like it's going to go into the net. He's got four goals and two assists through the first six games. And, you know, again, uh, we talked about this earlier, but he's he's just fitting seamlessly on that top line there with Zibanejad. So really like what I'm seeing from him. I mean, the sky is the limit. And you didn't want to get hit. You didn't want to see him get off to a, a slow start because then, then all the all the negative whispers would be starting. You know, we'd be hearing about, oh, he's got no chemistry with his new line mates. Oh, he can't handle the pressures of New York. Oh, he's pressing too much. Oh, he's gripping his stick a little too tight. And six games into the season would be way too early to draw those types of conclusions anyway. 
But just the fact that he's off to a good start is very encouraging. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. It's been a really, really long time. Even when the Rangers were good and making deep playoff runs, they didn't really have that one guy. That one guy who was just like a sniper and could just carry you know a team on his back for a long time. Panarin has the chance to do that. He's he's done it in the past with Columbus. I mean, he is the most dangerous player on the Rangers, and it's something they, they sorely needed. They have to score more goals than they did last season, and Panarin looks like he's ready to, to kind of shoulder the load and, and be that guy, be that dominant top-line player, that guy who's going to be scoring all kinds of goals, dishing out assists, and, and just, just carrying the load for this team. And finally, I just want to talk about the youth on this team. They're the youngest team in hockey. They had, on opening night, they had eight players aged 23 years old or younger. That's crazy. I mean, when the Rangers went into rebuild mode a couple seasons ago, they didn't do it halfway. They blew the whole thing up. They started to lay a new foundation, and we're starting to see, you know, the fruits of their labor come to be a little bit here. There's a lot of young guys who possess some tremendous upside, and I'm just really looking forward to getting the chance to see these guys grow together and become a team and just learn what it takes to win in the NHL because they are young, but they look like they're hungry. It's, they're fast. It should be a fun season. You know, I don't know. Are we going to win the Stanley Cup this year? It's kind of a little early to say that. But I think anytime when you set anything less of a championship as your ultimate goal for the season, you've probably already sold yourself short. So why not? That could be a goal to win to win it all. But I think we have to be patient with these guys. There's going to be some growing pains at times, but you can tell. I mean, these guys, they're young, they're hungry, they're ready to go. And I think, you know, Quinn is, is a great coach to, to lead these guys into, you know, the next phase of their NHL careers. Just want to go over some quick early red flags. I do worry about Henrik Lundqvist, and I really hate to say that because I've been a huge fan of this guy for, I mean, I don't even remember. He started, I think, with the Rangers in 2004. It just feels like he's been there forever. He's led them on some deep playoff runs, you know, to the Eastern Conference Final, to the Stanley Cup Final. He, in the mid-2000s, the Rangers would always seem to squeak into the playoffs as like a 7 or an 8 seed. And Lundqvist would literally be, like, the only reason why. I can remember one season where I'm pretty sure Jed Ortmeier was playing on the top line for us. And Lundqvist was basically just the saving grace for that team. We were in the playoffs because of him those seasons, and we always faced such an uphill battle, even in the first round. So, I I mean, I've got nothing but love for this guy. And and to me, the highlights of his career, in back-to-back seasons, the Rangers found themselves down three games to one in the second round of the playoffs. The first time it was the Penguins, the second time it was the Capitals, and we came back in both those series to win in seven games, and believe me, that does not happen without Henrik Lundqvist. Obviously, the whole team contributed, but you can't come back from a three-to-one series deficit without your goalie standing on your head, especially against teams like the Penguins and Capitals who have no shortage of offensive fireworks. Lundqvist stood on his head during those games. If you don't believe me, go back and check some of the highlights. He was just unfreaking believable made some incredible saves, and he's just always been there for the Rangers. He's the one constant. You know, we've had some ups and downs throughout his tenure there, but he's always been there. He's always been a rock. Having said all that, Henrik is 37 years old, and he's coming off what was pretty much pretty cut and dry his worst season. It wasn't all on him. He didn't always have a ton of help, and, you know, he's given up— 14 goals in the four games he's played this season. He is 1-3 with a goals against average of 357, a save percentage of 906. But the stats don't always tell the story because he has made some great saves in these four games that he's played so far. But, you know, it's it's unfair to expect the, the Hank of old. And, you know, it, the book is still out on Georgiev. 
I think maybe a timeshare could be in order there where maybe Henrik gets about two-thirds of the games and Georgiev gets about one-third. Because I'm not closing. I'm not giving up on Henrik. I still think he could have a very, very good season for the Rangers. But I think you also need to keep him fresh at this point, and you have to mix in Georgiev. you got to find out if Georgiev could be the goalie of the future as well. So for all those reasons, I, I think it would be a good idea for the Rangers to maybe limit Lundqvist to just starting about two-thirds of the games, mixing Georgiev for a third. You can kind of go with a little bit of a hot hand approach between the two of them if you want to, but we got to keep Lundqvist fresh. I don't think all is lost for Henrik. It's just going to be hard for him to live up to his lofty reputation now that he's 37 years old, but he is the team starting goalie for now. I'm not giving up on him. When you've put together a Hall of Fame career as he has, it's still your job to lose, and to me, he has more than earned the right to be the Rangers' starting goalie here in the early goings of the season. If somebody is, if, if he's going to lose that job, that starting goalie gig, somebody has to take take it away from him, whether it's Georgiev or somebody else. But I just, I, I can't expect Henrik Lundqvist to go out there and be a Vesna candidate. You know, it's just unfair to expect that from him at this point of the season, but Hopefully he, he gets some help around him. He can continue to do his thing and, and still be among the better goalies in the league, if, if not a truly elite goalie. The other concern that I have for this team, and, and to be fair, this is a concern that just about every team in the NHL has, but it's the overall depth, and if you want to be a little more specific, it's the scoring depth. Now, the top line, there's nothing to worry about there. I've talked enough about these guys, Panarin, Zibanejad, Buchnevich. They're going to score goals. They're going to play great together. No, no issues there. Second line, you got Kreider, you got Ryan Strom, and you got Capo Caco. Obviously, sky is the limit for Caco. Kreider, to me, I'm a big Kreider fan, really like Chris Kreider, like his game, like how he's physical, you know, he can drive to the net and score that way. He has kind of plateaued, I feel like, and maybe has never quite reached expectations. Expectations were pretty much sky high when he started with the team. So, I don't know, he's kind of leveled off a little bit, and obviously he's an impending free agent when the season ends. But I do like Kreider. I think he's a solid second-line guy. And then you have Ryan Stroman. The book's still out on Stroman. You know, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. He came over to the Rangers last season and played pretty well. Scored a lot of goals for the team. So the second line looks okay. Uh, There may not be as much upside as there is for some other teams' second lines. But then you look down at the bottom six. And now, granted, the bottom six aren't expected to contribute as much as the top six. I think that pretty much goes without saying. But, you know, you've got Brett, the, the third line as it's currently constructed, you've got Brett Howden centering Brent, Brendan Lemieux and Jesper Faust. Faust plays his tails off. He, he plays as hard as anybody on the team. Howden, you know, we're still kind of figuring out what we have there. And same thing for Lemieux. Lemieux's a, cra- a scrappy player. But I don't know. I mean, are, are those guys going to light the lamp a whole bunch of times this season? It's hard to say. And then you look down at the fourth line, and it's Leas Anderson centering Brendan Smith and Greg McKegg. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that this team has quite as much firepower as a lot of other teams in the league. But, you know, the book's still out on that. It's still early. We'll give these guys a chance. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys are very young as well, so they, they can take off at, at any given moment. I just do worry a little bit about the depth we have as far as scoring is concerned. The Rangers, obviously, as all teams do, will juggle their lines from time to time and, and you know, make make, make changes Obviously, you know, Jesper Foss got up to the top line recently, but for the purposes of this early season kind of review of the starting lineup, I kind of just went with the lines that have predominantly been used. I am kind of intrigued by seeing what Jesper Foss can do uh, with Panarin and Zibanejad. I think that's kind of an interesting fit because with Panarin and Zibanejad, the skill level is just off the charts. 
fast. I mean, it's more about like, you know, just being a grinder and just being a guy that's going to go out there and outwork everybody. And that's kind of an interesting dynamic to kind of mix him in with, with the two skilled guys. Maybe fast takes off a little bit on that top line. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, you know, Brett Howden recently has moved up to the second line and Ryan Storm has gone down to the third, but seems to be fluid there. And, and the fourth line's kind of stayed where it's been at. So what I thought we could do now is just talk a little bit about the Rangers game tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. The Rangers will be at home in the Garden. The Coyotes come in, they're hot. They're they're 4-2-1 overall this season, but they've won three in a row. From least recent to most recent, the Coyotes in this three-game winning streak went into Winnipeg and took down the Jets 4-2. They then went home for two games and posted a pair of 5-2 victories against the Nashville Predators and the Ottawa Senators. And we're going to get to see some old friends in this one. We're getting a trio of former Rangers making their return to the Garden. Derek Stepan, Michael Grabner, Antti Ranta all back in the building. Was really a big fan of all three of these guys when they played for the Rangers. Uh, I'll never forget what Derek Stepan, I can't think of, I can't even hear the name without thinking of the overtime game seven against the Washington Capitals from a few years back. Rangers were down three games to one in that series. They come storming back. They force a game seven. Game seven is at the Garden. Rangers win a faceoff in the attacking zone, and I believe it was Keith Yandel slides a pass over to Stepan, and Stepan just just cranks it home, and and just like that, the Rangers are going to the Eastern Conference Final. Stepan was a good player for the Rangers, you know. He was never, you know, at the top of the league as far as you know scoring threats, but he was very consistent. In four straight seasons with the Rangers, he had between fifty three and fifty seven points. A great teammate, a great playoff performer. He has uh, fallen on, I would say, a little bit of hard times with the Coyotes. Played in 72 games last year and, and only put up only put up 35 points through seven games this season. He's got a goal and three assists. But like I said, you know, I was a big fan of Stepan. I wish nothing but good things for him with the Coyotes, just just not tonight in the Garden, hopefully. And, and you know, they, they can do their thing in the West. The Rangers don't have to worry about the Coyotes. So, you know, excited to see Stepan back in the Garden, but let's hope it doesn't turn into too much of a, of a revenge game for him after the uh, Rangers sent him packing to Arizona along with Antti Ranta. And Ranta, you know, show me a better backup goalie in hockey than Antti Ranta for those two years that he played with the Rangers. There was actually a time in, in the second of those two years where he got so hot that the Rangers, Elaine Vigneault was the coach, and he had no choice but to kind of just ride the hot hand. And, and Lundqvist, I wouldn't, I don't like to say he was benched, but in a, in a way he kind of was, albeit very briefly. But Ronta was playing so well that, that no coach in hockey would have taken this guy off the ice. They kind of just had to ride the hot streak. Lundqvist eventually did get the job back. But, you know, Ronta, Ronta through two seasons with the Rangers was, was just fantastic. I was surprised to see that, you know, looking back at the stats here, that he had only played two seasons with the Rangers because it felt like he was there a little bit longer than that. But he was he was great when he was there. Uh, fantastic goals against average both seasons. Uh, 2.24 goals against in 2015-16 and a 2.26 in 2016-17. So, nothing, you know, nothing but good things to say about Ronta. He's, he also has fallen on some tough times in Arizona. He was injured for most of last season. Missed a ton of time, and he's back this year. He, he started the season on a conditioning assignment in the AHL, and unfortunately for him, Darcy Kemper has played very well between the pipes for the Coyotes. He's been outstanding for them, and, and it's kind of it kind of looks like it's his job to lose at this point. But I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I mean, the, the the Coyotes, I'm sure, very well aware that Antti Ranta played two years with the Rangers, and you know, maybe this is his night. Maybe they'll they'll give him they'll they'll give him the the starting nod tonight, and 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 you know, just let him kind of. 
give him the honor of of playing against his old team in his old building, and, and we could have a fun little uh, Lundquist versus Ranta teacher versus pupil kind of matchup there tonight if 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 the Coyotes decide that they want to go with Ranta, and if the Rangers decide they want to go with Lundquist tonight. And even Michael Grabner, you know, Grabner, he was only with the Rangers for a season and a half, but he, he did a great job for them. He played 135 games with the Blue Shirts, scored 52 goals, dished out 19 assists, and really kind of came back from the dead during during his tenure with the Rangers because it had been a long time to that point since Grabner was a, a productive hockey player. If you want to go back to 2010-2011, he put up 52 points, scoring 34 goals and 18 assists in 76 games with the Islanders that season, but... After that, you know, five straight seasons of 32 points or less just wasn't producing. You know, he, he spent most of that time with the Islanders. He spent a season with Toronto and did absolutely nothing. He, he skated in 80 games with the Maple Leafs and scored just nine goals and nine assists. And that was when the Rangers kind of took a flyer on him, gave him a chance, and, and he really responded. I, I loved watching him play because the guy was just so, so fast. I mean, he could just zip down the ice so fast and be on a breakaway faster than you could blink. And... Did a great job for the Rangers, you know, again, just a season and a half, but nothing but fond memories of Grabner as well as, you know, Ranta and Stepan. And as for the Coyotes themselves, what really stood out to me was this team plays low-scoring hockey games. Now, they've kind of bucked that trend in this recent three-game winning streak that they have. They've put up 14 goals in their last three games, but overall this season... You you look at you look at the the goals for and the goals against. They they've only scored 21 goals in seven games. I mean that's not a, a terribly no, low number, but this is a high scoring league these days. So you know it, it's a little bit below average as far as you know how many how many goals teams tend to score per game. And then they've only given up 13 goals in in the seven games that they've played. They have Darcy Kemper to thank for a lot of that. Antti Ranta has chipped in as well. You know, they've gotten great goaltending play, but it just seems like one of those teams that, you know, wants to play low-scoring games. I'm looking forward to seeing this. I want to see it's It's a good test for the Rangers. Rangers have been having a tough time scoring goals during this four-game losing streak, and you look at it, the, the whole picture, the Rangers have played six games, just 17 goals. Again, not not a terrible number, but you got to remember, six of those goals came on opening night against the Jets. So in their last five games, just 11 goals. It's not going to get it done. This is a great test for the Rangers. If, if the offense can kind of, if the attack can kind of break through a little bit tonight, I think it bodes well going forward because, like I said, the Coyotes have been such a sound defensive team, and if the Rangers can kind of rise to the challenge tonight and crack that code a little bit and, and get some goals and get some guys involved, I, I think it, it really bodes well for the future. And if the Rangers can go out there tonight and put up, say, you know, five goals against, you know, one of the best defensive teams in hockey, then... It could be just what they need to get this season back on track. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the second episode of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. Once again, feel free to get in touch with me. Reach out. would love to hear from you guys. Send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Or if you prefer Twitter, send me a tweet at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore Rangers. NY underscore Rangers. Really want to do a mailbag episode in the near future, maybe sometime this week if we can get around to it. If you guys send enough questions, you know, I'll I'll be happy to answer all of them and, and just, just talk some, some blue shirt hockey with you guys. Really looking forward to it. Thanks again for joining. I'll see you next time.